faith sees what others can't, that the invisible shapes are visible, that all things came from the unseen, from a God who is fully in control. Faith listens intently and sets out on journeys. It crosses all kinds of terrain, through fields and mountains, across oceans and valleys, the journey revealed in fragments, coming to light in stages. Faith is willing to sacrifice what the world would hold onto and is prepared to give up hopes and dreams for what seem to be promised, all in the pursuit of God. Faith doesn't demand signs and wonders, but rests in God's providence. It may be quiet, gracious and gentle on the surface, yet it wages war in the depths. Faith fully trusts in God, not leaning on its own sight or understanding, but holds fast even in the midst of all that doesn't yet make sense. And faith sets its eyes on the future, to the greater reality that is marching forward. Faith brings joy to the Father, a life of faithfulness, full of purpose, eternally rewarded. Our new series by Faith looks at the life of Abraham and how he lived through the many unknowns, through delayed hopes and promises, mistakes and missteps, yet ultimately he held fast to the God of ages who lavished his grace on him and fulfilled his purposes through him. little video together for the Abraham teaching series just in case it helps and I said to, said to Sam this morning that actually I'm glad he sent that because him doing that proves one of the main points that I'm going to make this morning about living a life of faith which, which we'll get to in a few minutes let me just start this by saying um, as we look at the life of Abraham over the next three months between now and Christmas basically most of the time um, the one constant in the story of Abraham's life is the faithfulness of God. So actually, the story is about the faithfulness of God in Abraham's life and on and on and on and into our lives. And we'll see today, Abraham begins well in this first chapter and immediately goes wrong, takes a wrong turn and goes to Egypt when he shouldn't have gone to Egypt. So... He's a man of faith and he's called a man of faith and Hebrews said by faith Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness which is true and it's amazing and Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness, Abraham was faithful and Abraham was called righteous, Abraham wasn't sinless and it's really important to remember right at the start it's the faithfulness of God and the sinlessness of Jesus for us that actually our faith in Jesus, the sinless saviour us sinful people can be counted righteous and free. So just as right at the beginning, as we look at this story, it's a story of the faithfulness of God in Abraham's life and in your life and in my life. So um, just to start, Simon, if you can just put the first, that first verse from Joshua on the screen. Just a little, little intro into who Abra, Abraham, Abraham, God changed his name from Abraham to Abraham. Abraham meaning exalted father, and Abraham, father of many nations. Um, so we'll see halfway through this series that um, God changes his, Abraham's name to Abraham. But just uh, as an intro to who he was when God called him, at the time God called Abraham. So in Joshua 24 verse 2 it says, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. So Abraham wasn't someone serving Yahweh. He wasn't someone serving the Lord. He served other gods. 
And when he, when he was called by God, he was serving other gods. Which again, you know, it's really important to kind of get that straight away. He wasn't someone worthy of God calling. He was serving other gods. Can you, can you put the um, map up, Simon? Thanks. Don't worry if you can or can't see exactly what's happening here. I just want to point out a couple of things. So, the journey begins. This is the first time I've ever used a laser pointer. And 20 years after everyone stopped using laser pointers, it's the first time I've ever used one. Um, but just to show you, Terah, Abraham's father, and you know the whole clan, started their journey in Ur of the Chaldeans, down there, bottom right-hand corner, made the way up to Haran, up there in the middle. And then when Abraham was called by God, he began his journey down into the land of Canaan. And we'll see today, he kind of takes a foolish turn down into Egypt, right? But it started there, up to there, journey down, okay? Now, you may or may not be able to see that on this map, there's a little key, there's a picture of a moon there on the side, which says, major center of moon cult worship. And there's one there in Ur of the Chaldeans where Abraham's family begin. And there's one there in Haran where they settled for a long time. So Terah and his clan and Abraham, one of Terah's children, um, they worship the moon god Sin. And Sarai, Abraham's wife, Sarai, the name, is from Saratu, which was the wife of the moon god Sin. And Milcah, one of the other nieces and wives. Um, her name came from Milkatu, also one of the relatives of the moon god Sin. So can't stress enough that Abraham's entire family were idolaters and blasphemers and followed the moon god Sin and named their children after relatives of the moon god Sin. There's nothing redeeming seemingly about Abraham or any of his family. Which makes it amazing when we get into Genesis chapter 12, which is where we are today. So let's read through this. So the first three chapters to start with of Genesis 12 say this. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, what about my water? There it is. Those first six words, bearing in mind at that point, Abraham's entire family were moon god worshippers. Those first six words are amazing. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, and anytime you see in your Bible, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D for the Lord, that's the name of God. That's Yahweh. So his title is the Lord, and there's no other title that's higher. His name is the Lord, Yahweh, and there's no other name that's higher. So that is literally the highest name, turning his attention to a blasphemer and saying, now the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house. And that's kind of an ascending order Ascending order of obedience in a way where it's not, in some ways it's not too difficult potentially to leave your country. Potentially, thanks Jeanette. Potentially it's not too difficult to leave your country. I was on holiday with Rebecca and the kids in Sardinia a few weeks ago. 
I was lying on an airbed in the sea at one point and looked up at the mountains and the sky and I just thought, I don't feel like I need to go back to England, really. I could stay here and life would be all right. It's potentially not too much of a stretch to be called away from your country. But to be called away from your friends, your people, ah, that's probably going to hurt a bit more. And your family. And that's going to be another, oh, okay, am I going to be obedient? And the only thing that, at this point, God asks of Abraham is, I just want you to be obedient to me. I want you to turn away from your idolatry and turn away from what you've been doing. And I just want you to go. Just go, and I will show you where you're going. Which, presumably, was a strange, interesting conversation when Abraham said, I'm leaving. When are you leaving? Tomorrow. Where are you going? I don't know. I'm just going. Who's told you to go? Yahweh has told me to go. What do you mean, Yahweh? What do you mean, God has told you to go? We worship the moon god, Sin. Yet, I don't anymore because Yahweh has told me to go and I'm going. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to get there. But I'm going. God's called me, which is a massive step of obedience. And after that massive step of obedience, it's all over to God. So just go, Abraham, to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And if, you, if you've read Genesis, um, the previous chapter of Genesis, chapter 11, is where the people build the Tower of Babel. Let, let us build a tower up to heaven and we will make our name great. And God's saying, no, you won't build a tower to make your name great. I will scatter you. In the very next chapter, God is saying, I will make your name great. Don't make your own name great. I'll do that. Follow me. Be obedient to me. I'll show you where you're going. I'll make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Which is an incredible promise of God. One step of obedience needed by Abraham and promises and promises and promises of God. And um, Ollie often mentions numbers when he's preaching. You may have spotted there, God makes seven promises. And in the Bible, seven is often the, it's a symbol of perfection or completion. And God's saying straight away, I will start this and I will finish this. And promise, 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 promise. And I'll do these things, which is amazing. I'm just going to read that one more time, actually, before we move on. So remember, this person is an idolater, blasphemer, absolutely no redeeming features really at all. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that's the first hint as well of um, the way that royalty is treated in the Bible or the, um, 
The privilege that's reserved for royalty is, is nations, you know, to have a nation, to have a name, a great name, to have divine protection from God is you know, the divine privilege of royalty. And blessing from God is the divine privilege often of royalty. So that's kind of hidden in there in plain sight is God actually saying, I'll make you a royal people, Abraham, you idolater. Just follow me and I'll do the rest, which is amazing. And where we're going to land in about, not long actually, 10, 15 minutes time, is responding Responding, actually, you know, we're going through a story of who Abraham was and how it began, but actually there's a point in here to land and for us to really, you know, open up our hearts to God this morning. So let me read on. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. There you go. That's the only thing he was asked to do, and he did it. If you've read the book of Jonah, I love the book of Jonah. If you read the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah begins, the Lord said to Jonah, Get up and go to Nineveh. But Jonah got up and fled from the presence of the Lord to Tarshish. You know, I, I, I love the book of Jonah. Um, and this is the opposite of the beginning of Jonah. God said, Abraham, get up and go. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the Oak of Moray. If you can leave that, uh, leave that slide up, actually, Simon, go back to that one. Thanks. Um, just FYI, when it says the people they'd acquired, popular scholarly consensus is that doesn't mean slaves, that means people that had actually seen Abraham's faith in God and were following him, apparently. Um, And what happens here? When they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the lake of Moray. And the next slide, Simon, please. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Canaanites, so the the oak of Moray is important. Um, Really amazing that Andy began the prayer meeting this morning with his acorn. I said, I've been thinking about oak trees this morning, or this week, and then started the meeting with it. And um, I said to him afterwards, you probably didn't realise that one of the main points or the main places to linger here is the oak of Moray and actually the Canaanites and and Abraham, which is good when those things happen. Um, So the Canaanites are in the land, and the oak of Moray is important because oak trees were seen as a sign of fertility. So they would worship the oak tree because the oak tree is a sign of fertility. So you worship the god of fertility through the oak tree. And when the oak tree leaves blow in the wind, that's the gods speaking through the leaves. And, you know, that's, that's the kind of Canaanite belief, tradition. Um, bearing in mind recently in the story... Abraham was an idolater and would have been right there worshipping at the Oak of Moray, probably. But having followed God, at that time the Canaanites were in the land, then the Lord appeared to Abraham, which is amazing. It's like Abraham has journeyed somewhere, he doesn't know where he's going. He's stopped somewhere 
where there's people worshipping the god of the oak tree and he's spent his whole life up to that point being one of those kind of people that worships the moon god and so on. So when he's there, the Lord appears to Abraham, which is amazing. And he says, to your offspring, I will give this land. And Abraham's response there is, so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed on, still going toward them again. If you can leave that slide up for a sec, Simon. So we've got this previously idolatrous person who now is in this land of sin and evil and worshipping many false gods, the people there worshipping many false gods. And this person who's been called by Yahweh, just go and I'll show you where to go. At this point, Abraham is saying, okay, what do I do now? I'm going to build an altar right here and I'm going to worship God. I'm not going to worship the God of the oak tree. I'm going to worship Yahweh who actually, unbeknownst to Abraham, God builds oaks of righteousness. God's people become oaks of righteousness where the Canaanite fertility God was mythologically seen through the oak tree. God's saying, no, follow me and I'll build you as an oak of righteousness. I'll plant you as an oak of righteousness. And one of the places to really linger and one of the places to kind of use to, um, for us to respond in a few minutes' time is Abraham had begun to literally worship God. I'm building an altar and I'm worshipping Yahweh. I'm doing it publicly right here. And historians will say that um, apparently where Abraham built the altars, um, they became centres of Hebrew worship. It was like, we're worshipping God right here, right in the middle of this land of sin, right in the middle of this land of various gods and idols. We're worshipping God here. We're worshipping Yahweh here. So, moving on from there. If you can go to the next slide, Simon. Now, there was a time of famine in the land. So Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. There's going to be famine, times of famine, in everybody's lives. There's going to be. And right from the beginning of the story, the bloodline that starts with Abraham and goes through, in the genealogy, if you read Matthew, it's Abraham through to Jesus. And all of us sitting here who put our faith in Jesus, grafted into that family, into that bloodline, going to be times where famine hits. Up to that point, Abraham has managed to say, okay, there's people worshipping false gods here, I'm building an altar here, and I'm worshipping Yahweh. And then famine hits. And what it doesn't say next is, so Abraham built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. It doesn't say that there. When famine hits, so Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And that's the point where suddenly Abraham is hit with, oh, what do I do now? 
because I've hit problems now and I've been worshipping Yahweh and I've left and I know he's going to tell me what to do and where to go and how to get there but now there's famine what am I going to do? and at that point Abraham forgets God and doesn't call on the name of Yahweh at that point and I think I said to Sam this morning when he, when he um, sent me that video and showed me that video and I said to him that I, I, I at this point would mention him this morning you know Sam's very clever and makes things that look very good that's what he does as part of his job he's my brother-in-law as well and he, he makes things that look and sound very good but Actually, I, I know and we know, Sam making a video like that, so Sam's been struggling for years now with um, sleep disorder that, that kind of just ruins his life, basically, makes his life very difficult. Um, and I said to Sam this morning, the thing I'm going to point out, Sam, is that actually, yes, your video is very clever and yes, it looks very good. But actually, I know, we know that your video, well, that's you when famine hits, setting, on a, setting up an altar and calling upon the name of the Lord and saying, I don't know what's happening. I don't even know if I'm going to get through this and get back to what was normal before. But if it doesn't, right here and right now, I'm building an altar to the Lord and I'm calling upon the name of Yahweh. And that's what I'm doing. I'm worshipping. I said to Sophie this morning, where's Sophie? Around somewhere. Um, I checked this with Sophie this morning. You know, Ben is struggling hugely, Sophie's husband. Huge struggles with health, which leads to lots of other struggles. Um, and Sophie sent me a message in the week with passage from Numbers and some questions about God's faithfulness and how quickly God answers his promises or how slowly God answers his promises. And, you know, I read Sophie's text and, you know, thinking about this this morning, I read Sophie's message and it's like, as painful as it is to kind of see people suffering um, and famine hitting, metaphorically famine hitting, actually reading those kind of messages, you go, you know what, Sophie? You and Ben are setting up your altar right where you are and you're calling upon the name of the Lord. And that's what you're doing. And it's just amazing to... And story after story after story, when famine hits, seeing people here and knowing of people here who are saying, famine has hit and I can either go to Egypt and see if it's easier there or I can stay here and I'm just going to build an altar and worship God. And even if things don't change, that's what I'm doing because that's what God's called me to do. And one of the other things that we'll do actually shortly is um, pray for people that need healing but to do it in a slightly, slightly different way to often where... So often when we pray for people to be healed, um, we'll say, you know, the elders will come around with oil to anoint you, which is biblical, Pray for healing. Um, if you read, I said this to Andy this morning, if you read James chapter 5, there's an obedience in James chapter 5 which actually says, if you're sick, call the elders and ask them to pray. And often what we do, which isn't 
sinful, often what we do, so there's three of us here today, me, Ben and Andy, that are elders here today. Often what we do is one of us will say, we're going to come around and pray for you to be healed, which isn't, isn't bad, obviously. But if you read the text, the text says, if you're sick, ask the elders to pray for you and they'll pray. And there's nothing special about any of the three of us at all. If you sit in any of our elders' meetings, you'll quickly realise there's nothing special about any of us. And Ollie and Clive, who aren't here today, there's nothing special about us. There's nothing special about the oil that we're going to anoint people with. It's vegetable oil, right? Morrison's vegetable oil. But, but, in James, James says, if you're sick, even if you don't, even if you don't have faith yourself necessarily to be healed, if you're sick, call the elders and get them to pray for you. So one of the things that the three of us will do this morning, if anyone wants to be prayed for, if you're sick and you want to be prayed for, then a small step of obedience from James Come and get one of us and say, pray for me, I'm sick. And that's all you need to do, and we'll pray. And we'll expect God to heal people this morning. And what Abraham does, Abraham at this point does, it causes lots of problems, basically. So he causes himself and his wife and causes God's problems to solve on his behalf. And God does solve them. Why? Because God had promised to Abraham. So Abraham does his own thing now. And what he does next is fairly, it's a failure. And if you've read the book of Genesis, he repeats it later on and doesn't even learn his lesson. So now there was a famine in the land. So Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you're a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abraham entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful, and when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and for her sake he dealt well with Abraham. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. So Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her for my wife. Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. That's a fairly disastrous series of mistakes. And Abraham... Being cunning, knew that in the absence of a father figure, it was the eldest brother's responsibility to negotiate terms of a marriage, basically, on behalf of Sarai, if, if, if they wanted the impression that she was his sister. So he was thinking, well, if we go there, I won't get killed. I'll take my time negotiating and I won't negotiate. We'll figure it out and we'll come up with some kind of plan to sort it out. Obviously, what Abraham didn't in any way know at the time was the person that wanted to take Sarai as his own wife was the king of Egypt. And you don't negotiate with the king of Egypt if he tells you what he's going to do. And if you kind of try and put yourself in Abraham's shoes for a minute... 
So you've sold your wife down the river and seen her go into the king of Egypt's palace to become his wife because you're scared, because you've run to Egypt, because actually at that point you've said, I don't really know what to do, we're in a famine, I think I'll go to Egypt rather than call on the name of the Lord. And then you're being showered with gifts by Pharaoh. I mean, to own camels in those days would be the equivalent of being given a Lamborghini or something like that. So you've been showered with gifts. You know, imagine, you'd hope, the kind of guilt and shame and general, what have I done, that Abraham is thinking, being showered by Pharaoh with all these gifts, knowing that you've sold your wife down the river. And because... God has promised to Abraham. God deals with it. God brings them out safely. And the very last bit that we'll look at today, it says, So Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the Negev. Now Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, And this next verse, these next two verses, a lovely arc of this story. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. He's made you know, a right mess of things by going to Egypt. God's got him out of it because God promised that he would bless him and God promised that he would protect him. And actually, it's good news. It's good news that God didn't say, if you don't make those kinds of mistakes, I will bless you. That wasn't part of it. It was just go, just be obedient and go and I will show you what to do. And actually at the point where Abraham goes into Egypt and makes a mess of things, God says, well, I I will, I will sort it out for you because I promised that I would. And Abraham comes out of it (laughs) by God's own design and providence even better off than he was in the first place before he made that mistake, which is, you know, definitely the mercy and the grace of God to kind of go, you've made a right hash of this. I'm even going to bless you even more, which is pretty amazing. And Abraham ends this little portion of our story back to where he began. Back to where he began. He goes, from the Negev, as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar first, and there he calls on the name of the Lord. And even if, even if you and I and us have been in a place where recently we've kind of said, I'm trying to trust God, but actually famine has come and I've ended up in Egypt. And I've ended up doing things that I know actually aren't God's design, but they're my design. Actually, by looking at the life of this little bit of the life of Abraham, Yeah, we all make disastrous choices at times. But Abraham goes back to where he started and said, 
I'm going back to where I began. I'm going back to where I first made an altar and called on the, upon the name of the Lord. And I'm doing it again. And he makes more mistakes as time goes on. But Abraham's faith in God is credited to him as righteousness. And all God wants is obedience and faith. And for all of us here, you know, I've spoken to so many people, a lot of people, like I was mentioning recently, Sam and Ben and Sophie, and I was talking to Julie Samuel last Sunday. And Julie has you know, very, very difficult ongoing health, health problem, very difficult, and is in hospital a lot. I said to Julie, have you got any hospital appointments coming up? It was last Sunday, I think, or the Sunday before. I said, Julie, have you got any hospital appointments coming up? And she said, yeah, I'm in the hospital this Tuesday, and it's going to be really tough. And then she said, but, and she said, I listened to Lucy Butts preach in the summer, and I really enjoyed it. I've downloaded Lucy's preach again to my phone so that I can listen to it again in the hospital. So I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to sitting there and listening to Lucy's preach again. That's amazing to kind of hear someone saying, well, right now I've been led to the DGH because this is where my life is at the moment. So what will I do at the DGH? Well, I'm going to build an altar to the Lord and I'm going to call on his name when I get there and that's what I'm doing. And I'm not running to Egypt because God has called me to follow him and I will obediently follow him. And there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of people here Actually, can the band start to come up? Is that all right? For all of us here, we're you know, at many stages of following God and obedience in God and getting things right and getting things wrong. And as I was preparing for this, this, mor- uh, preparing for this recently, for this morning, recently, um, I think as we start this and start looking at Abraham's journey, for us, really, just to, many of us, to take the time this morning to say, okay, here I am, here's where my life is, right now, right here, right now, today. I'm at this point in my journey with God. Because all of us were, at one point, idolaters who worshipped other gods and didn't have any reason why God should call us, but all of us, at one point, then God said... Andy Thorpe, then God said, Peter, then God said, Jane, and now here you are as one of God's people. But to use this time, we've got plenty of time, um, to use this time now to say, you know what, I'm here on my journey, and actually I've hit famine in the land where I am now. And what I really, really, really want to do, I don't want to go to Egypt and see if things work out better there. And actually, let's be honest, when, I, when Abraham did go to Egypt, it was worse, not better. It was actually much worse and could have been much worse. It wasn't brighter on the other side. But if you know, if you know right now you've hit a season of famine in your life and you're saying... What I really want to do, Lord, is I want to build an altar right here and I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. Could you just stand if that's you?